0: Hello and welcome to this week's episode of the Social Review Podcast. I am your host Jasper at Jasper underscore CH on Twitter and this week I am joined by two women from the Republic of Ireland to talk about Ireland's recent general election. So joining me this week we have got...
1: Uh, It's me Morgan, I'm one of your regular Social Review hosts Um, yeah, and I am shockingly from uh, North County Dublin. I'm uh, Kirsten kirsch Um
2: I am a former organizer for the Labour Party and a chair of Birmingham Norfield uh, Labour and uh, my handle is at uh, kirsten underscore ke
0: so awesome as i just said ireland has recently had a general election which is possibly going to be one of its most momentous uh, in recent history uh with the three uh political parties ending up on a three-way tie a massive surge for Sinn fein into holding the balance of power in coalition negotiations um and the sort of dismantlement of the two-party system between Fianna Fáil and Gael, which they've kind of held for the better part of a century it's an incredible election results um Um, incredible as well for Sinn Féin being a party of the left um, and we've seen repeated general elections across the world where parties of the left and centre-left have been electorally battered but this would represent a kind of like sort of outlier um, with Sinn Féin actually enjoying some kind of success and I guess what I want to what I want to open up to you both first um, is why now like why what what are the conditions which have led to Sinn Féin um, enjoying this kind of success at this general election and not like a couple of years ago so like, what is it what what are the conditions which have led to Sinn Féin enjoying this pretty much unprecedented um, electoral success particularly because even just a couple of months ago it was looking like they were not going to have any success at all hence not fielding candidates in all constituencies Kirsten do you want to do you want to go first
2: yeah i think something that i haven't seen um kind of talked about much um there people have been talking about youth uh, like across across the world really um uh, more mainly in western democracies but across the world and one thing that i think has been kind of overlooked is the efficacy i think young people feel in ireland um particularly following uh the marriage equality referendum and the excess of repealing the eighth in um in the referendum and they've seen that they can be democratically successful and um that's kind of i think mobilize more people to think well my vote does matter and change can happen um so more young people are actually getting out to vote rather than just kind of like tweeting memes um uh, so that's that's been really genuinely quite exciting uh, the, we there's a lot of kind of domestic issues, um, or well, actually, just to, to touch on that as well, I think that young people feel, um, or at least I, even I, like, there's a massive generational divide in the sense of how Sinn Fein like relates to people. Uh, my my mum didn't vote for Sinn Fein. Um, I doubt that my granny did. She um lived in the north um during the troubles, and I don't think they could ever have kind of really brought themselves um to have voted for Sinn Féin but that for me a child of the peace process that feels really distant really distant a child of peace process mind who lives in England and like has been hasn't been home for a while um or lived at home for a while um it doesn't I think a lot of younger people are that feels more historical now and they're looking at the kind of progressive future that Sinn Féin's manifesto was um kind of offering uh they were addressing the housing crisis which has been appalling in Ireland um are so <laughs> um astronomical um and uh and obviously healthcare which is um people don't know there there isn't an NHS in Ireland um so that really similarly to I guess in America actually um that really does resonate um with a lot of people over there.
1: Yeah, I think Kirsten's just brought it up there but I think to my to my mind at least this was primarily almost a housing election i'm from dublin originally and the thought like i've never been times when i've been like maybe i'll give up this whole living in the uk lark and fuck off back home to ireland and you just one look at how much it would cost to live not with your parents in ireland is enough to put is enough to like smother that thought every time um you know people like people who are my friends who are making like good good enough money as young festivals in Dublin find it impossible to to live anywhere that isn't like um shared bedrooms or um yeah like it's genuinely a truly awful housing crisis, and I think Sinn Fein have done i don't want to say done well because you know i think but I think their message has been very um strong and consistent on that one yeah, and so I think Sinn Fein have really capitalized on um the fact that they know. They know that this is one of the main things that's impacting young people, not just in Dublin but in um, across Ireland. And yeah, they they cap they ran a successful election campaign on not exclusively that issue, but very much on that issue. If you saw you saw Mary Lou, her first statement coming out of the count was, you know, we fought a housing election. Um, yeah,
2: you mentioned um, that uh, social democratic parties are kind of not faring too well um, across Western democracies. And um, I do think it is worth looking at where there has been some successes. So if you look at like Denmark, um, I'm gonna get the name completely wrong, Mette Friedrichsen and like Jacinda uh, Arden in New Zealand. Um, and a couple of other actually, there's left parties have, are doing okay, like pretty decently under um, female leadership, on, putting aside Portugal but um female leadership and I I think like Mary Lou McDonald has been able to the fact that she's been able to distance be this fresh face that distancing herself from Gerry Adams um who was in leadership for a very long time um has been uh, a really beneficial um she's been a really charismatic leader and um that kind of different style um of feminized leadership um, I don't I use that weird that's a weird term to use and I, I don't love it as a descriptor personally um but it, it is interesting to note that that kind of like pattern and um, I think it's worthwhile thinking about that when we're in the leadership election um when we especially when we're talking about being more prime ministerial um and Keir Starmer apparently being the only person who can be prime minister because he's a man um and uh, I, th- I think that's worth no- noting because it's it's quite a lot of male leaders that are failing in social democratic parties or, across the world and um, but that's probably just my feminist agenda coming through but I'm, I'm thinking about like my own seat back home I'm from I'm a culture as we'd say back home which means um, like a monster creature of the bogs or to the English person a like a country person like an unrefined country person and um uh my seat to my like absolute shock elected a uh, Sinn Féin TD and she is a woman um in a very kind of what would be a, a traditional like patriarchal seat a lot of kind of agricultural rural led a lot of, typically in the past um if you're a good farmer you've been successful um and it's been led by a lot of dudes with clunky shoes and um, badly made suits and that her voice has kind of come through and I don't think it's too, um, it's not completely separate from the success of the referendum going back. I think like women have found in, in Ireland how successful they can be in politics to create change. And I think people are really enthused by that. Um, so it, I, I think it's a really exciting um, time to be a political woman in Ireland. Um, saying that, a lot of kind of traditional um, uh, women who were held various, various positions um, in the previous government lost their seats. So uh, I, th- I maybe it's a good time to be a left woman in politics. I don't know. I hope so.
1: Yeah, so Kirsten is talking about her seat there. So I'm from, my parents are now in Dublin Central. Um, so Mary Lou MacDonald is actually my TD, which is very exciting. Um, well, not that exciting, but... I think one of the interesting things about her is that she's kind of, she's very much not from the Sinn Fein cloth, if you will. Like she is, she didn't, I don't know, serve time in Long Kesh or whatever. She is very much, um, she's very much like a kind of traditional dub, like she's from Dublin. She went to Alexandra um, College, which is one of the like really posh private schools in Dublin, all girls, and went to Trinity and originally started out in Fianna Fáil. Um, but then had this, I don't know, conversion to the cause of, cause of Sinn Fein, and has been enormously successful um, as such. Which is, yeah, kind of an interesting figure to not the, I don't want to say that, not the figure you would have expected to be leading, to be leading Sinn Fein to their first, their first, I don't know, electoral success really in their entire time in, operational in politics. I think they've been rehabilitated to an extent, but I think that. It's almost as if Sinn Fein have not changed that much. Um, They still, you know, they're still very much committed to Irish unity. Um, Gerry Adams was never in the IRA, but they are. Kind of the electorate has changed around them. Like people who are mine and Kirsten's age, as as Kirsten said earlier, don't really remember the Troubles, Um, especially in the south of Ireland. You know, yeah, um, we don't really we don't remember the Troubles. Um, we're far, we're far more concerned with these kind of material housing health problems. But also I think there has been this kind of like memification of Irish republicanism that there was a very interesting article about this a couple of years ago, a year ago only, um, about, yeah, the way that young Irish people have kind of, I don't know, the, the line that Donald Trump memed his way to the presidency, but we're all kind of very fine with saying, you know, kind of like, the rubber bandit song He's in the Ra and just like fine was kind of bandying around quite um quite like I don't know what would have what would have maybe ten, fifteen, twenty years ago been quite hardcore Republican sentiments with quite like problematic uh undergirdings. Um yeah, but we're all just I don't know, fine fine with it maybe. Um and I'm not really sure what's caused that again like I I've lived out of Ireland for a very long time now, so I don't really know what's caused what's caused that change in culture. And I think a lot of people aren't really quite sure either. Um, but it's definitely one, you know, you couldn't you wouldn't have seen like in ham adverts singing come out you black and hams fifteen, twenty years ago. And now we have it fine. So I think if you live um
2: being a British person observing the five minutes that the BBC covered um, of the general election um, which was bizarre to me, considering like where we are with Brexit and the kind of reunification being a question that is being asked and isn't too far from being an actual thing. Um, <laughs> reunification being an actual thing. Well done. From an outside point of view, it could be like seen that oh, Sinn Féin have gone through this like massive um, modernisation. Like they've had this complete political rebrand and upheaval but actually like I was watching um watching a, a live coverage of my count and keeping in mind counts are like three four days in Ireland um under our electoral system but I was watching it and um uh, there are people singing trouble songs and uh kind of waving various like uh flags and um like that's to me, that's not necessarily distancing, or at least locally, a local candidate is not necessarily, or their supporters not necessarily being distanced. So it may not be that the candidates have be distancing themselves, but their supporters would I would be quite favourable of, of the Um Some of them, not all of them, I'm not blanket sweeping, but like it, they, they were trouble songs, like they were. And if you go onto the Sinn Féin website, like, their merch is an interesting experience if you and, um, and looks quite favourably on the troubles and uh, um, I guess a lot of on Irish Twitter kind of um, raw memes are like quite popular. I've noticed that the British left the young left are um, have kind of picked up on it too, which kind of feels weird as an Irish person to watch. Um, sure, crap on. Um, but like, uh, one thing I think is it makes me like think about when people talked about like Jeremy Corbyn in 2015 and um, or was it a completely different party? And actually, if you look at like Labour students still singing like things can only get better uh, at various conferences and every event um Uh, like, and it still was resistant in terms of like holding on to that past. I think there's parts of Sinn Féin that are doing that. Don't get me wrong, there's genuine aspects of Sinn Féin that are looking really kind of progressive and modernising a little bit, um, or or a lot of bit, to be fair to them. Uh, There's, for example, there's like, people like Vinton Warfield, who's a senator, and, and, I think that he's a really good face for the, for, for Sinn Féin. He's um, uh, a gay 27-year-old um, who looks like he could be in like an Irish indie folk band and who speaks very eloquently um, and well um, on, on issues that matter to people. But there is still in the background that kind of lurking, lurking um, sent- or warm sentiments towards the Troubles.
0: As the as as the resident English person here, I just wanna 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 jab in a question about what the left, the British left, the global left, um, whatever, um, can learn can learn from this election result. So why is it that uh, Sinn Fein has enjoyed success where Labour hasn't? I mean, it, in some ways, this this question is quite easy to answer. There were numerous um, conditions which led to Labour's defeat, such as Jeremy Corbyn being electoral liability and. Brexit and so forth in the UK, but um, Kirsten, you, you, you touched on one earlier that um, a kind of common denominator um, between successful left, left of centre parties across the world is is female leaders. Um, so maybe that's something which Labour needs to take from this election that actually female leaders can uh, enjoy electoral success more so than male leaders, um, at least in the present context. But I wonder if th- are there are there any other lessons that um labor should be taking from this and the democrats should be taking from this in america and other left parties across europe and the rest of the world
1: um
2: again as the resident culture or like country rural person um i think i think we need to i'm gonna go with the whole kind of i'm gonna expose myself here but i really do think we need to look at kind of rural areas and towns um uh, I really do. Um, it's all well and good. I'm doing really well in cities, and I, yeah, it's fantastic. But there, one thing again, I didn't expect my seat um, back home to vote for Sinn Fein, but the candidate did really well locally. They listened, there um, yeah, there is different because they're a lot more independence stand, um, which is is a different dynamic. Um, like I said, if you could be a very good farmer, you'll probably get a fair few first preference boats. Um, so uh, there's that aspect of it. I, I do think that we can't, it's not an either or being like we need to either be in the cities or either be in the north. Where I'm from um, in Ireland is... So I'm from the West Midlands of Ireland, and I live and work in the West Midlands, or I've worked for the party in the West Midlands of England. And I think where you f- fail is the you know it's a north-south divide. Actually, like there's a huge chunk of the Midlands that's just ignored. And um, so I think Sinn Féin have done really well in terms of like... Um, having some kind of presence there even if you wouldn't think that I think a lot of people have expected the left to only do well in like these metropolitan cities and where I'm from is not a metropolitan city like I think our most kind of um, sign of metropolitanism
1: I guess is a a very large BQ um, and that's about it I'm wondering whether there are I think it's an interesting question to pose of like what, what we can what we when I say this is like the UK Labour Party of which for us soon as we are all members, um, can learn from the success of Sinn Féin. Um, in some ways, I think there are lessons to be learned in that, you know, being able to run a compelling case on, to run a compelling case, uh, around austerity, around, um, like severe damage being done by austerity to the healthcare system, around increased cost of living and, um, particularly increased cost of living for young people. Um, and young educated people um, but at the same time the system is so wildly different that it is kind of hard to map any particulars um, so this we have is like single transferable vote you get elected when you meet a certain quota of votes um, you it's ranked preference and there are about it varies but there are about um, three or four uh, TDs that's uh, MPs elected in every, um, elected in every constituency. It's not, you know, this, as Kirsten was saying earlier, it lends itself to a lot more, um, single issue candidates or, um, independents. So famously, you know, um, the, there's a, a family called the Healy Rays who have like more or less monopoly on Kerry these days. No, that's unfair. But, you know, who have, you know, who take a sizable share of the votes in Kerry at both County Council and, um, and, uh, doll level. Um, so yeah. So in some ways, so in conclusion, compare comparisons to labour or land of contrasts.
2: I I think a, a key point
1: was that they really did
2: hammer home the kind of housing and healthcare, and um, like being an organizer in the general um, just gone for in the UK. Um, I'd had activists turning up to my sessions being like, I can't remember the entire manifesto. Ah! And, um, like if if my activists who live, breathe and spend way too much time on Labour Twitter, um, can't remember the manifesto or like can't like fully get their head around it. How the hell is a mammy? A single mammy of three kids who is bouncing two jobs um and is ju- p- trying to pay rent going to and those are the people that we need to vote for us gonna gonna vote for us um and i think that the kind of that's not to say i personally i know there's been some contention about the man of the U- uk labor manifesto um i personally like i'm pretty much fully supportive of everything that was in it but i do think that when you're looking at the fact that it was a snap general election in ireland and a snap general election in the uk um they they went fairly simply and with hammer down those key messages those key policy kind of um things that they were going for um whereas we tried to fit in a entire like regular general election into six weeks and it just didn't come across and it was overwhelming and confusing And we should have really just kind of stuck to our key issues or decided key issues um, and ran with them. And then when elected, done all of that stuff. Um, So kind of policies in the spirit of the manifesto, but like not overwhelm people with like a huge, um, a huge kind of book of ideas in such a short period of time.
0: So as one kind of like final question, to consider uh why is it that well, it's not it's not enough just to consider why Sinn Féin won but also why is it that the two established parties failed this time around what was it was it purely down to Sinn Féin or were there other factors which led to their electoral detriment as it were
1: um so I think Fianna Fáil and Fine Gael were I don't know it's it's bizarre to say, well, I don't know, it's been a two-party system, it's been a duopoly, and they're essentially pretty much exactly the same, um, definitely on a kind of ideological platform level. Um, you know, Fianna Fáil are a little bit more um, full-throatedly Republican in their, in their views. Um, they're also a little bit more kind of Catholic theocracy, but what if we do it in service to big tech? Um, but... You know, there's not very much between them in terms of in terms of genuine policy difference. And Feenig- yeah, Gael is just kind of what if kind of we're just a bit wet and don't really do anything and maintain the status quo. I mean, I I said this in a piece I wrote for the Social Review, but I do think that Leo Radker is genuinely one of the best Teashocks shocks in Irish history. But that's absolutely damning with faint praise. Like the bar is genuinely on the floor for um, positive um, positive kind of infrastructure. Tra- projects and change you also have a lot more smaller parties operating in Ireland so the Irish Labour Party um and now I know like a lot of people in in the UK Labour Party have very positive experiences doing kind of like European Young Socialists and um kind of collaborative stuff with the Irish Labour Party and I should say that I've never uh been involved for for full I don't know full disclosure I was um member of Rosa which is a was a kind of um feminist splinter group from people for profit when I was a teenager um and I would have voted for people for profit as my first preference in this election um I was very sad to see that they lost one of their seats I think they're the genuine you know if you want a, a genuine kind of party that is doing what the UK Labour Party would do policy wise that that is who I think you should probably vote for um but yeah the Irish Labour Party is just it's not their fault they were ruined by successive coalitions and it's not their fault that, you know, we never really industrialised. There's no heavy industry in Ireland, there's no trade union movement in the same way that there was, that there has been in the UK, and therefore the Irish Labour Party was always just a bit wet, unfortunately, but, you know. Yeah, in some ways it was shocking to me to see kind of Irish Labour figures like Joan Burton, who's, you know, been a big beast in Irish politics uh, for as long as I can remember losing their seats, but... And, you know, people like Aidan Aruadon, who's another Irish Labour politician, are positives, but um, are positives. Irish Labour, while they have many, well, they're more kind of like a group of politicians who are individually admirable, like people like Ivana Bacic and, um, you know, everyone's favourite, Millie Higgins, but... They have no kind of substantive policy achievements on which to rest the case for their own electability in the way that the UK Labour Party does. You know, we can say, we did Sure Start, we did the NHS, we did um, all these things, and the Irish Labour Party just can't really say that, to be honest. Um, which is a shame, because it's, yeah, because I would like to be able to wholeheartedly support our sister party, but realistically, I, yeah,
2: no. Yeah, I'd have to agree there. I've um, I'm a member of Labour Party Irish Society, and the, the Irish Labour Party come to our like conference and reception. I was like, oh, I meant to be your friend, but oh, yeah, okay. My my mum voted for people before profit, and um, uh, she is was a Lib Dem voter over here. I know, judge judge. Um, but uh, and she they, they they didn't do too well in my seat, and I would probably agree with uh, most of what Morgan said there. I do I do think that like the two major parties were just completely tone deaf um, in their policies. They were kind of banking on talking about international kind of um, trade and Brexit and um uh, people are really suffering at the moment and Brexit negotiations aren't on people's like top list of like survival things that they need and like food and housing and healthcare. um so I think that definitely kind of played and also like they're just a bit grim um I mean I, I do think that there has been, like, a matriarchal revolution to some extent in Ireland, um, not massively, like, again, probably my feminist agenda coming through, but, like, when I think of Fine Gael and Fianna Foyle, like, I think of the same lad in the same suit, just a different rosette, and I don't think a lot of people, I think people don't really buy that anymore. So I was at my COP event last night, and I like started talking about the Irish general election, and someone sat next to me and said, "But why do you care?" I was like, A, I'm from Ireland, and B, you should care because there are serious discussions about that about the future of this country, England, United Kingdom, that are about to be had." Had, and I like. I have been frustrated with all the people who have, we're just actually like the anglo of this country. I love this country, it's where I live, it's where I choose to live. I probably will live here for a very long time. I've made my home here. Um, Yeah, I've sold out, (laughs) um, but um, it is genuinely really frustrating that there is just very little interest paid to your closest neighbor um taking Scotland and Wales aside, and your entire structure of your country could change very soon. Mm. And I just, I feel a frustrated by just the sheer, just not wanting to learn, um, like not learn, wanting to know how to pronounce like uh, our parliaments or like any of our parties. Um, it just feels really um, disrespectful and um, I, I, there's no way to treat your closest neighbor. We spend a lot of time looking at you guys and like learning and listening. We lo- most of our, a lot of our media um, it comes from the UK. Um, so. I, it just feels frustrating but also people i don't know what's worse people who have no idea but decide to go off on one and give really unhelpful takes like who've not who have googled how to pronounce one of our political parties and that's fine like that's fine that's how you learn but also like don't talk with such um uh authority on what is like are an area that you don't know about and perhaps maybe push views that you aren't sure of their context or their history or the repercussions that you're pushing forward but that's my angry mommy tell off
1: yeah i was just gonna kind of adding on to what kirsten was just saying but like the amount of well not the amount of like this is the amount of people in the spectator which is i know not a like a realistic um part of society but um, the spectator, they're living in a society. But, like, people being like, oh, yeah, it's it's rising Anglophobia due to Brexit. And it's just like, I don't think Anglophobia is a thing. Like, I i don't think you can... No, I just don't think that's a thing. Like, and, yeah, just all these people being like, ooh, it's a Brexit election or whatever. And it's just like, like, pe- people... Well, not people... There aren't a lot of people being like, this is a Brexit election. If they are, they're thankfully slapped down. But, like, there are enough people being like, Oh yeah, like let's just look at everything through the realm of Brexit and that'll solve all of our problems. It's just like, no, it really, it really won't. It has actually quite little to do um with yeah, for once it's not about you. It's it's not it's not a Brexit election. I think, you know, we saw today um Julian Smith was uh sacked as Northern Irish Secretary, um, who had a reasonably good reputation there. But you know, if you look back to the like absolute fucking rogues gallery of people who've been Northern Ireland Secretary. Apart from our beloved Momolum, obviously, like, Karen Bradley is just, yeah, fucking Karen Bradley. Like, I didn't know people voted along sectarian lines, and, like, I saw, again, I saw this on Twitter, I don't know if it's true, but, you know, someone saying, I once introduced myself to Karen Bradley and told her I was from Kerry, and she said, actually, some people say it's, some people call it London Kerry, and it's just like, oh, for fuck's sake, like, is Karen Bradley gonna star in, like, a remake of Dairy Girl saying Kerry called carry girls. Anyway, um it's just it's just there's there there's so many just clueless people in the British political sphere. And that goes that, like I'm cutting to the right here, obviously, because you know it's the social review. Um yeah, so that bastion of leftism, the social review. But like it's it's the on the left as well, you know, people people with their like incredibly cat candid takes about you know Sinn Fein are gonna solve all our problems as like this great socialist party, and actually you know i have I have real hope for for a government that I hope will be led by Marilyn Mcdonald because I think that she you know has clearly been victorious in this election, but if we look to like what nor- what Sinn Fein has done in power in power sharing in northern Ireland, they were not really a progressive voice in in the north on um things like marriage equality and abortion and things that yeah matter very much to people so yeah me kirsten presumably lots of people listening is it is it very is it very soft laugh to be like it's all quite complicated but it's all quite complicated
0: Thank you for listening to another episode of the Social Review podcast, thank you in particular to Morgan and Kirsten for coming on and talking about Irish politics and telling me and hopefully all of you what we should think about it. It's been almost two weeks since the Irish general election, and the result is still unclear. It's still unknown exactly what form the next government is going to take. It may be a fractious coalition, it may be another election. Perhaps by the time you're listening to this, you will know the answer. Thanks again for listening. We've got some really exciting episodes coming up for you over the next couple of weeks, so do stick around and subscribe for more episodes if you're not already. Have a good week. Bye-bye.
1: Our positives. Oh my God, has my audio been saved? Can you hear me now? How exciting. <laughs> Sorry. Hey, <yeah. laughs> Um, a bit, bit. (laughs) um, you can hear my audio as a bit. Um, but yes, sorry, I've really lost the thread of what I was saying now. I was so shocked by that one.